So how did that pregnancy go? I definitely think it was different it being my fourth pregnancy than if it had been my first pregnancy. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Carmen, and I'm a certified breastfeeding counselor. And I'm Ruth Green, an international birth doula. And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. The views expressed here are the personal opinions of individuals and do not necessarily reflect any official stance or recommendation by having a baby in China. Hey Jacqueline, how's it going? Good, how are you Ruth? I'm good. I see that you have someone in the Zoom call with us. Can you introduce her? Yeah, so this is my friend Betsy in Tianjin. And when did we meet Betsy? Mm. We moved to China in the fall of 2017. Yeah. yeah. A year after I moved to Tianjin, Betsy and I met. Betsy, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your family, sure. where you're from. Yes, yeah, so uh, my family moved to China in 2017 from Wisconsin, just outside of the Milwaukee area in Waukesha. My husband is the head of our international school here in Tianjin, and then we have four kids. My oldest is 10, and then they just are stair-step from there, 10, 8, 6, and almost 4. Wow, that's um, like a perfect stair step. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and right now, like height-wise, they're all like, yeah, <laughs> stair step for sure. Super cute for the family pictures. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm like the top step right now, so it's not. <laughs> and it probably won't last very long. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So you have four children, but you moved here in 2017. So that means that some of your children were born in the U.S., correct? Yeah. Yes. Actually, my first three were all born in the same hospital. All three were yeah easy deliveries. They were born, I don't even know. They were, yeah, <laughs> simple. I've not had any super complicated pregnancies. First delivery was the, the most challenging, but um, even that was all fine in the end. That's why your kids are so perfectly stair-stepped because you're like, well, that was easy. Let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I had one and then another one. And then I went, I need a break for a while. I can't do that again. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's really great. That's good that you had such easy pregnancies and easy deliveries. Today, we're going to focus a little bit about your China one, but we'll bring out some questions about some of your experiences there. So in a recent episode, Jacqueline and I talked about the different types of hospitals that there are in China. Can you tell us a little bit about the choice of your birth hospital? Sure. So the time that we were in Tianjin, it was recommended that we just go to the international hospital here, the Tianjin Family United. And that was fine with us. Like after being in the hospital and just some different experiences with our other kids, we we're like, yeah, this looks like it would be great if this is what is normally done. We're happy to follow suit. We're not wanting to blaze trails um, and having a baby in China. So we kind of just followed suit. I didn't really have any desire to look into a Chinese hospital. Let's just do what's safe. I'm happy with that. Looking at from having a birth in America and then going into this international hospital, did it feel similar? Yeah, actually, the hospital experience was very similar to our experience in the States. All of it, really, from the very beginning. I waited I mean, it was my fourth baby, so I found out that I was pregnant in April, like right around graduation, April, May, maybe it is May or June, I guess, like somewhere in the spring. But we didn't go to the doctor until after we'd been in the States for the summer and then came back. So I was probably like 12 or 13 weeks before we even went to the hospital for anything. Yeah, everything was normal and there weren't any complications. So we just decided like we'll start and go through the whole thing at the same place. 
So when you went in for that first appointment, were they upset or did they see that they wanted to have seen you before then or were they okay that <laughs> this is four years ago <laughs> I don't honestly remember <laughs> there was probably discussion of like oh oh you're having this oh you're already this far along <laughs> but I honestly I don't remember they can gently scold right or like I don't know I don't yeah. remember any of that happening just like oh okay yeah let's get you taken care of <laughs> And then I'm assuming because of where your husband works that you have insurance to be able to mm. to cover the hospital. Yes, we did. And I think at that time there was like some package that you needed to pay for this whole package up front. And then as you go through and once the baby is born, then you can work through the insurance for reimbursement. So it was, it was a hefty sum up front. The payment piece was quite complex and... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it took you years, oh, right? Word. To... I think it was around our daughter's second birthday before the whole thing was finally settled. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of oversight on our part and not quite understanding, like, exactly what we were supposed to do and assuming that things were supposed to be coming to us. But anyway, insurance is a whole yeah. other story. Yeah, that is another story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's a really good point to bring up because I know in my own experiences, in fact, one of my children, I didn't get the prenatal package reimbursed because there were some questions about the Fa Piao. So for those who are outside of China or new to China, everywhere can give you a basic receipt, but that basic receipt doesn't mean a whole lot. You have to have this official, it's called a Fa Piao, and it has two red stamps on it. Usually one's like oval and one circular. And that is kind of like the only official receipt that will be accepted for tax purposes, for insurance purposes, for anything. And so I remember going to the hospital and saying like, okay, I need to get this reimbursed for insurance. Please make sure I have everything that I need. And then we had some complications and it took a long time for me to get to the process of actually reimbursing. And we didn't have that Fa Piao. I have no idea what happened there and we couldn't get reimbursed. So that's a actually a really good point. I think that payment and insurance is a big part of giving birth here, especially if you're coming mm -hmm. from a country that has social medicine. I mean, I think I hear a lot of people that come from countries that have social medicine. They're like, I don't even understand why I have to pay for this, <laughs> <laughs> let alone why it's so much or the whole reimbursement process and stuff. So definitely ask lots of questions, get advice from people that have done it. Like ideally somebody who has similar insurance at the same hospital that can kind of walk you through that. And it's been recent because of <laughs> yeah. like insurance changes. It's true. So quickly. Very, very true. So how did that pregnancy go? Did you feel like you could communicate pretty well with the hospital? Yeah, um, for the most part, I think at every visit, there was either the doctor or the nurse attending was able to kind of tell me what was going on. I definitely think it was different it being my fourth pregnancy than if it had been my first pregnancy. Mm, yeah. I think I would have had a lot more questions and probably just a lot more nervousness in general about being pregnant and giving mm -hmm. birth in a foreign country. And But no, I mean, with it being my fourth, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're at this point. This is what needs to happen. Okay, we're doing this now. So overall, like, it was fine. I think they probably also gave you a little bit extra margin because I've run into that too. I think Jacqueline, you have, right? Yeah, for sure. They're like, oh, you've, you've done this before, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. I am curious. Did you experience more sonograms here than from the United States? Yes, especially towards the end, but I did definitely. Because I think in the States, it's pretty standard. I've never, well, I've never had a 
early pregnancy in the U.S., but from everything I've read, it's pretty standard to have like a dating scan before 10 weeks or so. And then the fetal anatomy scan around like 20 weeks in the States. And that's often it. Like that's often all you get. Maybe there will be one in the third trimester, but here there's a, it feels like there's a lot more to me. Yeah, for sure. There are a lot more here. Yeah. With my other pregnancies, I think I had at least three, like there, that first one is usually like an internal, right? Because the baby's so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> there may be one more in there, like around 12 or 13 weeks just to measure size and to get like an approximate due date. And then the sizing scan to like check all the organs and the heart and all the extra measurements. And you can find out gender at like mm-hmm. whatever the 18 to 20 week mark. I did have extra ultrasounds with my other babies. Just the way that I carry, they were always telling me like, oh, your baby's so big. Let's do an extra check just to make sure that everything's okay, which it was always fine. It's just I carry way out front. <laughs> Well, and you're also quite small too. (laughs) People can't see you, but you're not tall. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm 5'2. So, yeah. And my husband is 6'4. So, our babies, they were an average of like our birth weights, but still, like, yeah. When I carry a baby, it's like I have a basketball under my shirt in the front. So, it's all out front. (laughs) But yeah, that final one they would do in the third trimester. Sometimes they would do like the 3D. Or whatever. So I don't know. It was kind of fun to be able to get that, but it's not often offered unless there's concern. Yeah. So here, um, there are a lot more just regularly scheduled ones, but um, towards the end of my pregnancy, I was almost every other week, I think they were doing an ultrasound because they were concerned <laughs> about my ambiotic fluid levels, mm. which it was this time of year. Her birthday is coming up in February. So I would have been like right at Christmas time and right after I had a cold and then I don't even know. It's just so dry here that they would measure the ambiotic fluid and they're like, oh, this is too low. I think we might need to do a C-section. Make sure you drink two liters of water every day and come back in two weeks or in a week and we'll test again. So it was so many ultrasounds at the end. And every time I would go in like prepared, we're going to have a baby today, like this is possible. And then they're like, oh no, you're fine. (laughs) Your levels are okay. And it just... I don't know, it was kind of a roller coaster at the end. And I think some of the extra tests and extra like screenings and things kind of, they, because they don't do that in the States, maybe my levels were low, but we didn't know. So it wasn't a concern. In my experience, there's a pretty big difference in at what point they grow concerned here compared to in the United States. This is a issue that many of my friends and my clients have run into is that anytime it starts dropping below eight, then the doctors get concerned. Whereas when you read the literature, the concern isn't until usually around five. And so doctors here are going, well, it's at, it was at eight and now it's 7.8. Like they're looking at this trend, but from all the literature I've read, that is actually really quite normal. And we really don't get worried unless it gets close to five, but because There are so many extra scans here, and for some reason, it's really on doctors' minds. They really focus in on this, and I feel like, like you said, it really adds a roller coaster dynamic to people. Like It adds so much more stress to people's experiences and, in many cases, leads towards a lot more interventions because of that emotional roller coaster and then you know the stress builds up and then possibly that leads to like higher blood pressure so then they're getting more tests because of the blood pressures and you know it's a kind of a bit of a spiral so yeah it's it's definitely something to be aware of that for some reason they focus on amniotic levels 
a lot more here than I have read, but I haven't experienced too many pregnancies outside of China. So I don't have any firsthand experience there. So tell us a little bit about your labor. Did you go into labor naturally? I did. Yeah, it was actually um, a holiday. And we lived about mm, 20 to 30 minutes away from where the hospital was. Um, But we happened to be at a friend's house for lunch. It was a Chinese New Year holiday. So we're at friend's house. Getting a taxi over here was, it was okay in the morning, but we were kind of concerned like, oh, if we don't stay in the area, like it's possible that later in the day, like it might be more difficult to get a ride back and forth. So I had woken up that morning with contractions and I'd had contractions the weekend before, but they had kind of just died out. So when I woke up with contractions that morning, I was like, okay, maybe this is it. This could be it. This maybe is it. And I let our host know like, hey, just so you know, like I'm having contractions. It's nothing to be worried about, but this could happen today. She's like, why? How can you be so calm? It's fine. It's fine, really. So anyway, yeah, we're there for lunch and we go for a walk. They're like, well, just you can hang around. The kids can play. So we went for a walk and came back. And then we were talking and I felt my water break, which I've never felt my water break like that. It was so strange. Did it feel like a pop? It wasn't like a pop and a gush. Like I've had that. <laughs> One of my deliveries, like my husband heard it across the room, like the water break. And like Really? There was a gush that was not this one. <laughs> no, <laughs> thankfully it was not this one sitting in our friend's living room. Um, no, this was just more like, almost like a tear in the sack, like just a small break on the side where like the pressure was great and then it like released a little bit and it was just like a trickle. So it wasn't like, yes, my water broke, but it was not, not a gush, not a puddle, nothing like that. Interesting. But we did call the hospital and say, hey, this happened, like, should we come in? My water broke in the hospital every other time. So I had not experienced my water breaking mm-hmm. outside of the hospital. So I was thinking like, oh, we can walk around for a while. We don't need to rush this. But when I called, they were like, oh, if your water broke, you should probably just come in. Like, oh, okay, sure. And then shortly after that, like my contractions really started to get strong. And she was actually born within an hour, like almost exactly an hour after my water broke. Wow. So it was a good thing that we didn't go far and that we were able to just go straight to the hospital. Yeah, how convenient that you were already there. Because if you're looking at like a 30 minute taxi ride, trying to get a taxi and get <laughs> get there. I would have been a little stressful. <laughs> yeah, not to mention calling and asking if you should come in and all of that stuff. So yeah, that's, that's quite fast. Did it feel quite intense because it was so fast? It was fit in a good way. Like they were waiting with the, the wheelchair at the bottom and they took me straight up and like, They're giving my husband paperwork to fill out and getting me situated. Like I really, by the time we were situated, nothing felt overly hurried or rushed. I had previously talked to a midwife about like, you know, these are the things that I would like. So they told me like, oh, the doctor is reviewing your birth plan in the hallway and she'll be in in a bit. And they're like dimming the lights and like kind of setting the room the way that I had requested in my birth plan, which I had not experienced in the States at all. Mm. It's not like it was a bad experience in the States. I just, I don't think I had ever really filled out a form or formally discussed in the States when I delivered, like, this is exactly what I want. And I wasn't super particular in any of my deliveries. Like it cannot be this and it has to be this. Mm. Just, I don't really want a bunch of people in and out and I don't want bright lights and I don't want a lot Mm. of sound. Like I just want it to be relaxing and calm. And so anyway, yeah, they were taking care of all of that. 
my husband's filling out paperwork and about the time that his paperwork is done, I'm like, I can't handle this anymore. This I'm, I'm done. I'm, something needs to happen. And they're like, oh, oh, it's time. It's time. <laughs> so it, it all like climaxed and peaked exactly as like it was... I don't know. It was perfect. Yeah. So the hospital staff felt comfortable that you had come in. There was enough time. They were able to set everything up. And <laughs> Jacqueline, are you talking from experience? <laughs> I have no personal experience with this or anything. I don't think it was as rash as other people's, but I think it was cutting it close for some of them. <laughs> I think they thought maybe they had a little more time than they did. And then they're like, oh, oh, no, let's we got to do this now. (laughs) Jacqueline, do you want to give our listeners just a little bit of a background of why you're asking that question? (laughs) (laughs) So I delivered my fifth baby at the same hospital and I came in. And now if you ask my husband or you ask me how long we were in the hospital, we give very different answers. But I think it was about like 15 minutes. By the time that I got into the hospital that she was born. So we did call ahead and I only, I walked the hospital. So it was not very long, but they had enough time. They had enough time. They even had my name on the door. So they had the room (laughs) semi like prepared, but they also, they like, they have scrubs that they put on Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't know. Did they put like stuff on your legs? my legs? Yeah, I had one delivery where they put scrubs. Yeah, they put blue PPE on your legs. Like, it's like these tubes that they put on your legs. They're trying to keep you warm, right? No, they're trying to keep it sterile. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I really don't remember. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I think that was probably your birth here in Qingdao, Jacqueline, because they do that here. Yeah, they all blend together. But anyways, (laughs) I was getting in the bed and then I was, it was time to push and they were like, oh, the baby here and so then they were like scrambling for the doctor was scrambling to get her gown on and her glove on and she only got like three fingers in her glove and she's like oh I'm like trying to reach for the head and like so anyway that was <laughs> yeah I know it was quick but it was not quite quite bad <laughs> Oh, okay. So how about after the birth? How did that go? Did they put the baby straight to you or? (laughs) So they did. Yeah, actually, as soon as she was born, um, I think I had requested that, that I wanted, I wanted to hold her right away, which I don't. (laughs) It's a little gross. It was a little gross. Like there's something very precious about it. And there's also something like, just clean her up. I wasn't skin to skin, but I did hold her for a little bit. And then I think my husband even got to cut the cord and I was talking to him about this interview and like, he's a much better storyteller than I am. (laughs) He was like, yeah, you just got to tell him how fast they cleaned up afterwards. Like he was impressed at the speed and accuracy to which they cleaned the room and were out of there as Mm. soon as the delivery was done. (laughs) So yeah, I don't remember in the States, they would always like, they had this whole machine and they would do all the APGAR scores and all of that. Mm -hmm. I really don't know what all they do here as far as APGAR like I don't think they give you an actual APGAR score do they I think they do but they don't really tell you okay a, you know they're they're they take they took her away right mm-hmm. and like wiped her up Cleaned and her up, took measured her. and did all this stuff yeah. yeah and so I think they're assessing sure I think they assess the same things yeah. I just don't know if yeah. they don't communicate it you mentioned that it wasn't skin to skin um was that just because you were wearing clothing and so you took her or was it because they put a layer of PPE between you because that is something that I've seen over and over again. That's what they call skin to skin 
is they actually like take the mom's clothes off, but then they put this PPE layer down, this blue, you know, that blue kind of gauzy <laughs> layer. And then they put yeah. the baby on top of that and they call that skin to skin because they're concerned that germs on mom's body is going to be harmful to the baby. Oh. I mean, the baby just came out of mom. So yeah, <laughs> right. I guess depending on mom's hygiene, then, you know, know, no, it yeah. wasn't like that. I just okay. had on a hospital gown. It was just a cloth hospital gown and yeah okay I was just curious because I do think that's something that people should be aware of that that's a possibility that (laughs) you might have a different definition of what skin to skin is and you might need to be clear and that might be something to tell your birth partner Mm -hmm. to be aware of that you literally want skin to skin or if you don't then that's okay too and and that's okay to ask for like the times that I've been a doula and I've seen this happen and I asked the mom like do you want it on the skin? And they're like, yes. And then I say that to the nurse and they're like, oh, oh, okay. Wow. And then they, they take it away. So mm. yeah, it's not always that they're against it. It's just that their policy might be layer of PPE between you and the baby. <laughs> How long did you stay in the hospital after the birth? I don't remember. At least two nights, but maybe three. Okay. It wasn't the full time that we could stay. I think we ended up leaving a day early just because I mean, we had kids at home and yeah. everything was going really well. Like there, I didn't have any concerns. The doctor didn't have any concerns. And so we asked if we could leave. She was born like two something in the afternoon, I think, or it was an afternoon delivery. So then I think it was the whole next day and possibly another day after that, or maybe we left on that. I don't remember for sure. My husband might know better than I do, but I know we left before our full, like, allotted time at the hospital. A lot of times the hospital wants you to stay, like, over 72 hours so they can do the PKU test. Do you remember if Mm -hmm. you had that done or if you went back to get that done or if you didn't do that? You maybe had that one done. Is that the... It's like the heel prick? Yeah. I think they did it before we left. How long were your hospital stays in America? My first one was probably the longest just because of like everything with the delivery. But I think they were all about the same, like two nights, at least two nights, maybe a third, depending on the delivery. Okay. Because I hear a lot of people talking about only 24 hours at the hospital in America. Oh, (laughs) which again, like it may be an insurance thing and what insurance will cover. Like I think whatever our insurance would cover, we stayed like I stayed for the full thing, I think for each of my deliveries in the States, but especially my second and third, I could have left earlier. I think it was just quiet in the hospital and my mom was there to take care of my kids. (laughs) I have always appreciated the hospital stay as well, except for in my third, because there was a bit of a war between me and the other patients about how warm the ward should be. So they kept turning the ward like really hot and I was just pouring sweat. It was December. So they were concerned about being too cold. And so they had like the heat completely cranked up. And I would tell the, I'd call the nurses and I'm like, look, I'm literally dripping sweat. And I'm in like, I I honestly do not know how Chinese moms do it or anybody who does the like heat after birth because I just sweat so much and I hate being hot. So I'm in as Mm. little clothing as possible, just pouring sweat. Okay, okay, we'll turn it down. And they would turn it down and it would be a little bit better. And then a few hours later, I'm like, it's really hot again. And they're like, yeah, the person next to you, they wanted it hotter. Oh, <laughs> so that was the only one that I was like, get me out of here, please. They actually, like when I went into the room, again, like it's February and it was it was pretty cold. But the room was cold. Like after we delivered, my husband was even like, it's cold in here. Like I'm chilly and he's never cold. (laughs) So we ended up asking them to like turn up the temperature. I think you're asking about like things that surprised me during this pregnancy and delivery. The temperatures in the hospital and like things related to temperature in the hospital like really surprised me. That one for one, like I feel like 
the hospital is generally warm. I don't know if just it's not a room they use, so they had the temperature down or what, but after they turned the temperature up, it was much more comfortable in there. But my baby, my babies are all quite red when they're, when they're first born, like just that little, mm-hmm. I don't know, red face, you know, newborn baby look. But the nurses were quite concerned that she was too hot. And I think that is the oh. only time I have ever had like a Chinese person tell me like, oh no, I think your baby's too hot. You don't need so much blankets on or you don't need it wrapped up so much. Wow. Yeah, that is... She's just new. That's all. <laughs> that's surprising. Definitely very surprising to me too. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that you would like to share with people that are preparing to give birth in China? Like if somebody were to say, oh, I'm, I'm newly pregnant and... I don't know what to expect. You know, you've done it. Do you have any advice for me? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think just Chinese culture and being pregnant and being a new mom, I think the Chinese people in general are much more liberal with their recommendations and with their concern statements. I know there were many times just styles of pregnancy clothing. I was told by by especially Chinese grandmas like, oh, but aren't your clothes too tight? Isn't it going to hurt the baby? (laughs) And just, I don't know, understanding like it's a different culture and graciously being able to say like, oh no, I'm fine. Or, oh no, the baby's okay. Or just reading their their comments as concern and care rather than as judgment. Mm-hmm. I think that is something that's mm-hmm. good to keep in mind, especially then also with having a new baby. Like, wait, you have your baby outside already? Why are you outside with your child? This isn't okay. Um, or your baby has to be too cold or, oh, they should be sleeping. Or I don't know. There's always suggestions about something that you're not doing. But then as far as like the hospital, I think being informed and knowing kind of what's going on outside of what the doctor is telling you, like I had three deliveries of experience and kind of just knowing my body and knowing how like I do carry out front. So when the doctor is telling me, oh, you're really big, like it's fine. This is normal. This has happened in my previous birth or like my previous pregnancies. I'm not concerned because my OB in the States, we talked about this. So kind of just knowing what can be normal and what isn't mm. normal, just being informed, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, I, I really had such a great experience with my pregnancy and delivery here that I know that in the States and here, like every delivery, and every pregnancy can be so different. Did they offer any breastfeeding support for you in the hospital? They really didn't. And actually, I don't, maybe it was a surprise, maybe, I don't know. That first night in the States, when you deliver... They like, okay, you've delivered. Okay, it's this time. You, It's been two hours. You need to get up and go to the bathroom. Oh, it's been two more hours. We need to change your baby. We're going to mark this down. And they give you a chart and you have to fill in every wet diaper, every dirty diaper, every time you feed and which side you feed on. And they want meticulous records even before you leave the hospital. But after our baby was born here, they were like, okay, we're going to give you some quiet now. And they left and they didn't come back. And we're kind of like, oh, but... Um, are you going to tell us when we need to do things or how we need to do things <laughs> or like we know what to do. But so like the first night she slept almost the whole night, like we're just going to let her sleep. This isn't going to last forever. <laughs> so it was a good like recovery night after delivering and everything. But in the States, like they would come in and wake her up and like, which I know is a good thing to do. Just there was much less intervention and instruction after she was born where in the States, mm-hmm. there was definite like, okay, now we're going to do this. Okay, why haven't you done this now? And my husband actually would get quite frustrated with the nurses in the States because they were pushy or waking him up or I don't know, telling us what we were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. 
here they were like, okay, you're going to come back next time you have a baby, right? <laughs> you're not having any more babies, but you'll come back, right? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'm curious about this because all of my pregnancies have been here. And every time I'm pregnant, I remember literally like pushing my second child out and the doctor is like, so are you having any more children after this? And I was kind of like, <laughs> can we just get this one out first before we discuss the next one? I'm curious, did you run into that in the States or were people much more just like, uh, well, I don't think so. I think it was much more. And I think it kind of just felt like this courtesy thing that this is the end of your stay and we're going to invite you back. <laughs> That's what it felt like here. In the States, I don't think I felt that way at all. Like the doctors definitely were not like, okay, let's do this again soon. But (laughs) I think they were much more focused on like even leaving the hospital, you have a whole checklist and there was some of that here, but you can't leave the hospital without a five point harness and in your car seat and Mm -hmm. they have to do all these safety checks and things where they just hand you your baby and like, okay, you're leaving now. Take all your things with you. Here's your baby. And you go get in the taxi. <laughs> like, okay. It felt rather odd just like putting the baby in a carrier and, and walking out like, like we were doing something wrong. But yeah, they wrapped me <laughs> and the baby. They're like, it's really cold outside, which it wasn't. <laughs> oh, it was cold when we left the hospital. But I had like a Moby wrap, I think, and the baby was in there and I, they must have felt like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, she had her little red cheeks. Maybe I <laughs> weren't so concerned. I was just going to ask, so about breastfeeding. So you intended to breastfeed. You didn't feel like there was much support in the hospital, but did that go all right? It did, yeah. So um, I, my first two, I struggled with breastfeeding for various reasons. And I'd been told different things by the nursing support in the hospitals. Like they'd given me a shield for one of them. Um, and the other, they were like, oh no, you shouldn't use a shield. That's not great. We're going to stretch out her jaw, like just gently put your finger in the back. So if this is happening, this can help. And I think maybe there was some latching issues at the very beginning with my fourth. My third, I had a really great nursing experience with her. Like she was able to nurse and the latch, everything just went really smoothly. And I think some of those things I was able to use Mm -hmm. with my fourth I think it took longer to establish a good nursing routine and to get mm-hmm. her latch and everything, but I was determined to make it happen. And it really, like, we didn't have a lot of roadblocks. So mm-hmm. I think it went it went pretty smoothly overall. The second night was miserable at the yeah. hospital. <laughs> We'd forgotten to bring a pacifier. And I had really, like, no, we need a pacifier. This is something that has been helpful with all of them. So, yeah, the second night was just a lot mm-hmm. of nursing, and I was really sore yeah. by the end of it. But... Oh, yeah, we ended up establishing a good breastfeeding routine. It was good. You mentioned all the safety checks in America and just the checklist. I remember with my fourth, they made us watch a video about purple crying and all of that stuff before exiting the hospital. And one of the other things I ran into was every single appointment leading up to the birth and after the birth, there was a depression checklist right? Like that you had to go through postpartum depression. Yeah, but they they started before and also like red flags for like our family situation. We were kind of laughing as we were filling it out because we had just left our jobs in China and gone to the States hoping to come back to China. And there was so much unknown about our lives, but we were completely 
happy and okay and like confident in our decisions. But every single one of the questions on the like (laughs) stability checklist, we were like, well, no, we don't really know where our money is coming from for the next couple months. Or like, no, we don't really have a consistent place to live. (laughs) Like we are moving around from house to house. But like as an international, that was par for core for people that are in the States for or, you know, in their home country for a few months. You often do move from house to house. And Mm -hmm. anyway, so we, we were explaining and kind of laughing about that to the doctors and they were fine. But I thought that was really interesting that there was so much care in the U.S. on the mental health aspect. Did you run into that in the U.S. and did you see any of that here? I actually, I don't remember any of that in either place. Okay. They have you set up your, like, make sure you make this doctor's appointment for your baby and make sure you do your six week for yourself. But apart from those things, I really don't remember a lot of discussion or mentioning much of anything about postpartum, anything in the States. Or for here either. I don't remember. There's a lot of variance from state to state and country to country. And well, I think mental health is more and more like in the forefront of people's minds. It's true. So it's possible. It's just more recently. Yeah, no. And I definitely am seeing it more and more here in Qingdao as well. Uh, I think two different hospitals. I've seen similar type things, but that wasn't in place when I was giving birth. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Things are always changing. Like you were saying, Jacqueline, like ask somebody that's (laughs) given birth recently because things change really fast. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So just kind of one fun bonus question. If you could tell people like, do not forget one thing, like do not forget to pack one thing for giving birth in China. What would that one thing be? (laughs) So actually I had friends send me a package from the States And one of the things from my deliveries in America that I'm like, I have to have this. I don't know if they're going to provide it, but I need to make sure I've got this. Um, Is that the water, like the squeeze bottle? And then I ended up like not even needing it or not even using it once I was here, but just knowing that that was there. So yeah, like some sort of massive pad (laughs) for after delivery and some disposable underwear and a squeeze bottle which I don't know if you're referring to like that <laughs> where you put some nice warm water to yes. wash you when you're yes. using the toilet. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's the one. Because that area is very tender after birth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, having a squeeze bottle and I don't routinely see those handed out at hospitals here, but no. I have heard you can get them on Taobao now. It's come up in some discussions. Oh, I'm sure. Like, they can't yeah. be hard to find. You can right. probably even get them at, like, Watson's or something, just a smaller version. But <laughs> those are nice to have. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Betsy, and doing our first birth story interview. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for your time. Yeah. It's fun to hear your story because I was actually remembering, like, as you were going through it, I was like, oh, yeah, we were actually in Tianjin. <laughs> yeah. And I remember being at the Super Bowl party. Just like weeks before my baby was born. <laughs> was it even weeks? I feel like it was days. Like, I think you maybe even had the baby, like, while we were there, but I didn't see you. Oh, maybe. Or maybe it was the weekend oh. that you had like the Braxton Hicks. I don't remember. Because I remember Jacqueline saying, oh, my friend might be going into labor. And then I, after that, I saw you like in person at the Super Bowl party. Yeah, it might have been days. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, it's fun to hear your story and hear you tell it again. So thanks so much. Yeah. Jacqueline, I will see you next week. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
we stop recording? Yeah, I think we can stop recording. <laughs> Unless we want to give Nathan some fun things to say at the end. <laughs>